Welcome to the Scaling Japan podcast. I'm your host, Tyson Batino. And on today's episode, we have Yoshinori Nishikawa. He is an innovation specialist for the city of Kobe. And he will tell us more about Kobe City and its approach to startups. This episode is a part of our series on startup cities in Japan. And we have interviewed Kobe with Yoshi today, uh, Aichi, Sapporo, Fukuoka, and Shibuya. Yoshi, could you please introduce yourself? Okay, thanks for having me, Tyson. And my name is Yoshi Nishikawa, and I work for the Kobe City in charge of the Startup Initiative. And what I mainly do is to make your ecosystem global by being connected with the global ecosystem around the world uh, since I joined three years ago. So before I joined the Kobe City, I used to work at the private sector. Let's say it was a Japanese big companies and take care, take care of the overseas marketing sales, basically, in Europe or Southeast Asia. And at that time, I was getting attracted by the startup world where the things move fast compared to the world where I belong to. So I happened to find a job post on of this position. And through the interview, I was getting more attracted by what Kobe City does. So my boss appointed me, so I decided to take it. And here you are now. And yeah. uh, I, I think it will... I don't think you need to feel so much pressure. It's, uh, I would say, uh, half of the other cities, it was their first time to be on a podcast as well. Sure. So it's, I think you're good to go. Yeah, it's interesting. It's excited to me as well. So I guess I have a history with Kobe because uh, when I first came to Japan, I came to Kyoto. Mm-hmm. But I had a really good friend who lived in, uh, I think, I can't remember the name, but uh, Roko. Hankyuroko. Okay, yes, I, where I was living right now. Oh, gotcha. Oh, very nice area. <laughs> very, very nice area. <laughs> and honestly, and, I was born and raised in Kyoto so and moved to Kobe three years ago. Oh, okay, gotcha. So yeah, it is pretty close. Mm-hmm. And uh, the last connection I have is uh, my wife went to University of Kobe uh, Gairai, mm-hmm. foreign language school. And I met her when I was living in Nara and she lived in Kobe. Work. Okay, that's so, great to hear. So, so yes, I have been to Kobe uh, many, many, many times. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but now back to business. It's uh, could you uh tell us more about Kobe? Okay, so yeah, Kobe is actually in terms of the uh startup support. Uh, Kobe is kind of the reading ecosystem in a way that uh, we launched our programs and initiative. At the very early timing in back in 2016. And at that time, there are not so many municipalities doing the startup support. Like, of course, the Fukuoka and Osaka was already started, but mm. there are not so many other municipalities is not do, was not doing. So, so in a way, yeah, we are kind of, uh, let's say, the leading ecosystem in Japan. Yeah, and I think Kobe is also a really easy city for foreigners to live in. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And yeah, there are so many um, foreign nationals living in the Kobe because of like uh, we have uh, many uh, foreign countries, big companies like a PNG or Nestle 
uh, had a base in Kobe. So in that sense, uh, there are yeah, so many foreign nationals living in Kobe. Gotcha. Yeah, because I know there's a lot of international schools, probably for multiple different languages. Yes, you're right. So honestly, yeah, there are, I think, seven or eight international schools in Kobe uh, for, of course, the Western-based uh, uh, international school, also the East, kind of the Chinese or something as well. Uh, interesting. And uh, could you tell us maybe like uh, the population in Kobe and uh, if there are any other big corporations as well? Okay, so the population is around the 1.5 million. Actually, it's getting a little bit decreased and we are going to be, it's going to be less than 1.5 million. And the big corporates, let's say the ASICs and the Kawasaki, maybe you know from the automobile uh, the mm. motorcycle, yeah and also the ucc uh which is also the big one of the biggest coffee company in japan and the sysmex is all, also the very famous biomedical companies so in terms of that uh, there are so many uh, biomedical related company in kobe because we have one of the biggest biomedical cluster in the area so excellent no thank you for sharing that Mm -hmm. And um, so at Kobe City, uh, so I know that you would like to attract a lot of startups, but uh, yeah. are there uh, any industries or business types that uh, Kobe is very strong at? Okay. So like I said, uh, the biomedical process, biomedical is one of the biggest industry in Kobe. So we are currently focusing on the five areas uh, of the startup. One is the life science, of course. And the other is the food or the uh, hydrogen, which is the uh, renewable energy, and also the aerospace and the also the tech and the IT. And in terms of the food, uh, the food industry is actually has the biggest uh, GDP within the Kobe industry. Mm. So, but as you know, the food industry is a little bit legacy industry and be a bit behind of innovation. So we need to uh, accelerate them to have more innovation in the area. And also, of course, the tech on IT is currently very important. And uh, I think this week or next week, uh, Microsoft is going to open the uh, AI IoT lab in Kobe, which is mm. the uh, world's fifth uh, lab in the world. So oh, congratulations. Thank you so much. <laughs> so with these initiatives, we are going to attract the more AI-based startup. So this is also interesting initiative that we are currently doing. Yeah. And I have multiple friends who uh, are working in the market entry for food <laughs> and beverage businesses. Yeah. Uh, and I, I seem, it seems... Uh, Let's say every couple of months, a new person that I know is kind of focusing their attention there. So it seems to be kind of a booming business potentially. Yes, of course, the, everyone see the Japan as the food rich countries. And I guess in terms of the food processing or the food culture as well, uh, they are very high potential of the food tech, but at the same time, uh, there is a very big challenge in the Japan market, especially in the vegan food or something. 
you know, um, Japanese is really requiring the high quality of the food and still the vegan food is not reached out to the level of like other uh, Japanese people can be satisfied. So Ah, still there's interesting. a gap <laughs> between, but we try to attract the food tech startup from Europe or US so that we can be collaborating with the local businesses or local companies in Japan. And it's funny too, and I, I think about it, it's like you're not competing just against meat, but you're also competing against tofu. <laughs> Ah, and <laughs> there's yeah. so many variations of tofu in Japan that Mm -hmm. are very high quality. Yes, yes. So once you eat the tofu in Japan, maybe you cannot eat tofu other other part of the world. So, Yeah, and you can eat I the believe fried that. tofu like atsuage. <laughs> And it's uh, yes, yes. so it's uh, <laughs> you got competition from non meat as well. But Yes. so I guess uh, for food tech, could you actually maybe describe for the listeners what you kind of mean by food tech? Okay, the, of course, the food tech is a kind of the wide meaning, I guess. And in terms of the food tech, there, there are sometimes the delivery app or uh, at, the, at the other side is more deep tech based, like uh, producing the, um, how can I say, milk protein, like a protein, like a casein or casein or whey I've heard, is yeah. using the microbes or something. And currently, what we are looking for, or we are currently focusing on, is more tech-based food tech. So last time with the inbound programs, uh, we call it uh, Next Kitchen 2023. We invited uh, six startups from Europe. Uh, out of those, uh, three was very deep tech-based food tech startups, like using the mycelium or... using the uh, precision fermentation. So this is where we are currently focusing on. Ah, yeah, I've heard of the the mycerium is the common Yeah. one. Yes. Okay, yeah, I think they call it out protein nowadays. Yes. <laughs> Alternative protein. And so just, uh, I want to add, but uh, you know, uh, the Kobe is known as the biggest man sake manufacturer. I mean, the Japanese sake manufacturer in Japan. Mm, I So didn't it know means that. in the world. So. We have like a long history of experience in the fermentation, especially the koji fermentation or something. So this kind of fermentation technology can be used to enhance the technology of the precision fermentation or some areas in deep tech of food. So that's why we are trying to working on that. Thanks for clarifying on that. Yeah, and if the listeners don't know, like the out protein, it's actually a lot of attention is going into that. Is is the reasons because is that live it like uh of course one it's I think uh for more like the vegan market, but is it also if they have alternative proteins, maybe they can reduce carbon emissions? Is that Mm -hmm. uh, yes kind of connected? yes I guess uh, there are two reasons uh, to promote the food tech one is of course uh, to protect the animals from the brutal and the The other part is, of course, uh, to care about the carbon emission. But the, in Europe, let's say, uh, the maybe 50% or something is coming from the uh, protect. Uh, they want to protect uh, the animals from the brutal. So that's the reason behind the vegan market. So it's a bit different from Japan, but uh, yeah. Okay, thanks for explaining. And could you also tell us a little bit more about 
for the health tech and me specifically uh what life tech kobe is yes so uh so when you hear about life tech uh it means you might think that it means the life science something something but the branding of life tech includes the two meaning uh of course one is our life science but also the lifestyle like food or passion because you know uh we are uh, we are local governments and we are committed to enhance the lifestyle or life quality quality of life of the citizens so that's why uh this life in uh, includes the two meaning of lifestyle and life science so that's why the startups that uh, we are focusing on the, of course life science but uh, the other part of uh, areas like food or passion or anything else and in terms of the life science uh, there are so many startups in uh, in kobe area i think 50% or 40% is related to bio, medical, healthcare startups. So, yeah, there are some interesting companies, but if you need any details, yeah, I can explain later. Sounds good. And I have one good friend in the health tech uh, industry doing a Japan market entry mm-hmm. and uh, it's an American company, but he's, is meant, uh, I heard that uh, you guys are very supportive. Mm-hmm. Cool. And so uh, what type of supports do you offer for an entrepreneurs? Okay. Uh, there are many, actually. So, uh, for example, the startup visa, let's say startup visa, I think there are many other municipalities doing the same thing. So maybe I can skip that because the the system or what we do is almost exactly the same as the other municipality does. So, so okay. the other yeah, and I, th- the, and I think yeah. the other listeners or the listeners, uh, you can hear about that on the other podcasts as well about the visa system. And the other part is like a finance. Uh, we have some subsidies also that we have our startup fund. Uh, in terms of the. Uh, the fund that we are currently operating uh, called the Hyogo Kobe uh, Startup Fund, where Kobe City is actually invested as LP, and its fund size is around 10 million US dollars. And with this fund, uh, we invest in the early stage startups like Seed or Series A. And our scope is more, of course, the startups based in Kobe. But it doesn't limit to Kobe-based startups, but still a little bit flexible to invest in startups who might have positive impact on Kobe economy. So, nice. and also the ticket size is from around 100,000 uh, K Japanese yen to, uh, sorry, sorry, no, 100,000 US dollar to 1 million US dollar. And the average is around 300 K. Okay. Do they have to be incorporated in Japan or Delaware? Uh, uh, it doesn't have to be incorporated in Japan. Uh, we are still a little bit flexible, but the venture capital firm that uh, actually operating this fund is Japanese-based. So they might have some difficulties in seeing that there are rare uh, law or something. So it might be better for us to have them incorporate in Japan. Gotcha. Yeah. And for the listeners, that's actually very normal. I've mm-hmm. made a lot of introductions of foreign startups to like are reaching out to me. And uh, it is very normal for Japanese VCs to prefer incorporated in Japan. 
a few, yeah. some might accept Delaware, mm-hmm. but you have to be exceptional. Yes. Because it's so much extra work for them. And like Yoshi mentioned, they're less familiar, or I would say they're not as familiar with uh, Delaware. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it, it is increasing a little bit, but pretty much you should expect to be requested to incorporate in Japan. Unless right. like you're the, unless everybody wants you. <laughs> if you, if you don't have like VCs like knocking on your door, then it might be pretty hard. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> One of the common challenges I see with my consulting clients is not having any staff internally who can drive marketing strategy and execution to the next level. This really limits the growth trajectory of a company, especially for a leader like you that wants to go from 30 million to 500 million yen a year and does not have the time to spend years learning through trial and error. To solve this problem, I'm launching a marketing agency that can help companies like yours to increase leads and closing rates through SEO, Google Maps, content marketing, and websites that convert. Head over to scalingyourcompany.com and book a free consultation. Let's talk about what your business needs are, where your current strategy is letting you down, and how we can help you see real results with the methods I've successfully implemented at multiple companies myself. Now, back to the episode. Cool, so I guess, yeah, one is the investment. And, and the other, other is the please continue. And the other is a subsidy uh, we can provide as well. And we also have a subsidy to those who have an office in Kobe or incorporate their companies in Kobe. Basically, we provide maximum 10 million Japanese yen, so which is around 100,000 US dollar. But the, right now, the aim is a bit big, so maybe it, it's around anyway. But uh, we can provide them for three years, which can be based, uh, which can be used for rent or hiring talent or something like that. Oh, nice. Uh, are there any conditions for it? Uh, and I think you said up to 1 million, right? Up to 1 million. I uh, don't know. No. Up to uh, 10 million Japanese yen. Oh, wow. That's pretty big. And yes. uh, what are some of the requirements for that? Uh, so the businesses has to be something has a potential to be scaling up and it has to be also related to IT technology because the when we built this uh, subsidy, the, everything is about IT is kind of the scalable. So we set uh-huh. up the, those criteria in a way. But or, right now, of course, yeah. And did you mention staff members too? Yes, and, but uh, it did- also they have to be kind of the CT or the executive level of technology background. Cool. Uh, any Anything else about the subsidy that maybe the listeners uh, would need to know? Mm-hmm. Uh, currently, uh, that's the most common subsidy in the COVID city. So once you want to more, uh, you want to find out more, then please just let me know or please contact me. I can maybe share. Beta. Sounds good. Uh, do you, by chance, so you offer subsidies, investment, any, do you offer any tax incentives? Uh, unfortunately, no, in Cobra City right now, so. Cool, just checking. And uh, are there any success cases of a foreign company or startup who set up in your city? 
<laughs> yeah, that's a sometimes a difficult question because you know, uh, before COVID nineteen, we are we were running the five hundred programs, uh, which is basically focusing on the foreign startups uh, for them to use the Kobe city as a springboard to grow their business worldwide. So we are not uh, we didn't expect them to have a base in Kobe at that time. And after COVID, uh, we focus, we still, uh, we, we started to focus on the uh, supporting global startups. So it's still two years uh, from we start. So there are not so many oh, successful gotcha, startups. Yeah. But of course, there are, there are still some, uh, <laughs> some cases <laughs> actually. So one is actually the Armatech. Uh, they are a Swiss company who is developing the hydrogen uh, powered boats. And its technology is coming from EPFL. EPFL is the, the science and technology institution in Switzerland. Oh, and gotcha. they actually joined a pro, uh, inbound program to seek for the opportunities in Japan. And their target is to be demonstrated at, at the Osaka Expo in 2025. Mm. So. With the program, uh, we help them to find the uh, right partners and also the venture capital fund to raise a fund. And still, there are still lots to do to make it happen. But this is uh, one example, anyway. Oh, thanks for sharing. Yeah, and two years is still uh, it's still pretty recent. Yes, <laughs> yes. Are there any maybe rising stars coming out of Kobe? Uh, it means the international startups or uh, the, even the domestic startup as well. I would say maybe maybe one domestic, maybe one foreign. Ah, okay. So so one actually there are some uh, rising stars based in Kobe. Uh, let me share maybe two. Sounds good from the domestic. So one is the Bacchus Bio Innovation. They are spin-off company from Kobe University, mm. and they are doing the synthetic biotechnology to produce the, for example, food ingredients or like petroleum-free plastic or protein with using the microbes. So this area is a little bit booming in the around the world, of course, in US or China or somehow in Europe. And there are actually not so many startups in synthetic biology startups in Japan. So they are the one of the most promising startups in that in Japan, and of course in Kobe definitely. So they are one of the, um, yeah, rising star right now in Kobe. And the other is the Serendix. Serendix is a three D manufacturing uh, housing uh, company, and they try to reinvent the user experience of uh, purchasing housing. Mm. Of course, when you want to purchase the house, you have to make a mortgage over like a 25 years or 30 years. But uh, long, with their, <laughs> yes, very long, long time. And we are not sure if you can uh, return it <laughs> because, yeah. Anyway, their house is around maybe cost around the 3 million yen or something. So which is quite reasonable to buy it. So we can buy the house like we can buy the car. So mm. this can change the, the totally the experience 
of purchasing the housing. So this is really interesting technology. Yeah, this is the two. And cool. Yeah, and I think I want to share as well. It's uh, I have mentored a lot of startups. Uh, mm-hmm. I have helped a lot of startups with market entries. And, uh, and in my experience, I have seen uh, many cases of companies who are doing pretty good mm-hmm. and uh, some who are doing very good and some that have uh, they're doing okay but uh, kind of just for the listeners if you're a pre-seed company mm-hmm. you probably even if you raise you probably just don't have the resources to enter japan mm-hmm. and uh and i would say like i think it is possible as a siege stage company but mm-hmm. really the companies that i see you know succeed in japan or at least uh let's say maybe they make five percent ten percent of their let's say their company's revenue comes from Japan. Uh, some cases, 25%, some cases, 50 more. But mm-hmm. usually it's usually the seed stage company who are like very good. Like they're really solid. They're pretty, pretty, really close to product market fit or mm-hmm. like series A companies where they can hire a staff domestically who can do business mm-hmm. development. And that's kind of the challenge. Uh, I think there's a lot of startups who are hopeful, but it's uh, some cases maybe it's just better to focus on your own market find product market fit uh the only exceptions are like you know where japan is ideally the key market and if it is your key market you have mm-hmm. to be all in yes like and i'm sometimes tired of telling startups like you need a website in japanese you need like just basic you need your sales pamphlet in japanese so it's um so I think, and if you are like, you know, series A level, you have product market fit. If you go to like cities like Kobe, they have the network in MedTech and it's so much easier for them to make introductions because yes. you have a proven product. Yes. You have corporations in your own country that have done it. Those corporations can introduce you to maybe their friends in Japan. Mm-hmm. And so it's uh, the less friction or the less barriers you create for cities like Kobe the easier it is mm-hmm. for them to uh, make the connections. But oftentimes you have to do the groundwork. The cities, they provide support, but that's what it is. It's support. And I, I didn't address this in any of my other episodes on startup cities, mm-hmm. but uh, we have a pretty good listener number of listeners. Uh, so probably mm-hmm. 300 plus 400 people will listen to this. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, so I think that's a key point to mention. The yes, more you have product right. market fit, the easier it is for them to support. If you don't, it's really hard for them to support you. That's and, right. totally uh, correct. And sometimes when we talk to the Japanese corporates, they are quite negative uh, when we connect the startup who doesn't have uh, the product yet or even before the product market fit. So, yeah, if you have any success case in their own country or local businesses, then that would be much easier for us to connect with the uh, Japanese corporate and have them have an interest in your technology and solution. So, and yeah, go ahead for mentioning that it's uh, yeah, I think it that's a key point too. Uh, they Kobe or like the cities have to be careful, or I have to be careful who I make introductions. Mm-hmm. The more you can make it easier for us, the easier it is to introduce. And in some, for some of your cases, probably better just focus on your own market first. Cool. So I'd like to know more about Kobe itself. Maybe uh, 
from like, you know, doing sales or doing customer service, business communication? What are people mm-hmm. like in Kobe? Uh, how is it different from Osaka? <laughs> Could you please tell us maybe about uh, doing business there? Okay. Uh, doing business here is, or let's say, compared to Tokyo or compared to the other big city, the Kobe is more like trust-based. They like to have a business uh, with a person who knows very well. So this is the basics. That, uh, so when you want to do a business with the local businesses, that are like, like a local stubborn business owners, you need to enter into the community and to get to know each other is always uh, important because then... Of course, it depends on how you like to work with. So if it is the big corporates, then maybe there are not so many differences uh, compared to other Tokyo or Osaka or other cities. But if you want to work with the local businesses, uh, maybe it is more like trust-based and the so referral is quite important. And recently, Maybe there is one interesting case, and let me give you one example, I guess. And we provided startup visa to our Russian founder, and he is offering services of hardware and system development to SMEs at first hand. And his goal would be actually developing his own services in the end. And in Kobe, there is an area called Nagata, which is a bit deep area and there were many stubborn local business owners in manufacturing. So, however, uh, we connected him with a key person in the area and not sure how he did, but next time we see him, he became already a part of Nagata community and got some inquiries from them. So this is yeah how it works. So this is the one example of how you can uh, connect with the local businesses. Trust is. Trust is everything. Thank you for listening to this episode of Scaling Japan. In addition to serving as your fine host, I also provide advisory and coaching services to business owners who want to 2x, 5x, and even 10x their business. So stop holding your company and your team and your employees back and let me help you and your company scale. Find more information at scalingyourcompany.com. Now back to the episode. And actually, so I guess that'll be my next question is how can they develop trust? How can startups develop more trust with uh, maybe uh, cities or, uh, or Japanese companies or business people? It's a personality always. And also by who you want the referral from is also very important. So for example, I introduced him to the local businesses. And before that, I already established my relationship with those local businesses. So they understand who I am. And through me, uh, if I introduce someone to them, they somehow uh, trust the, uh, the person who I introduce. So yeah, that's how it works. Of course, after that, they need to try to build up their own relationship with them. So I'm not sure, but the other entry, uh, this is always important to get into the 
local businesses. Maybe uh, I can share uh, an example from my end. It's uh, so I sometimes have companies like uh, even through like startup programs sometimes and mm-hmm. like they just jump into like, can you make any introductions for us? <laughs> and like uh, it, it, it pisses me off, actually. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, you're so disrespectful. It's uh, what's that? You're so unempathetic. Like you don't if this is how you treat me. Mm-hmm. I definitely can't introduce you to a client. And uh, what I mean by that is uh, like, you know, you don't have any materials, sales materials in Japanese. You don't have a website in Japanese. Okay. You don't understand how hard it is to make a relationship. And if uh, I introduce one person that sucks, mm-hmm. and if you suck, like they'll not take, uh, they won't accept introductions from me again. Mm-hmm. And just for people to come out and like, uh, even through programs, just to say like, can you give us introductions like that? Uh, let's see. It shows me that, Maybe they, they don't really get B2B relationships. Mm-hmm. And which B business to business relationships is about trust long term. Yes. Yeah. And uh yeah, I've been surprised, but but I find that usually the companies that are doing well, mm-hmm. I would say usually their approach is usually much like uh the startups are doing very well. Yeah, usually they're they're much like, oh yeah, I can uh we're just we just want to find out about the market. Like they don't just dive into uh like can you give an introduction to me? So if I were to give a uh, feedback to uh, startup founders, some things you can do is before you ask for an introduction, mm-hmm. one is uh like the person's posts on LinkedIn for like a month. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, if they have any questions, answer it. Then uh, also it's uh you know have things uh, in Japanese or if you're incorporated in Jap- Japan. Anything that you can show that, like, you know, you're very serious about Japan. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I think, just how you deal with foreigners as well. When you try mm-hmm. to enter the Japanese market, it makes a big difference. And, uh, and if even foreigners feel uncomfortable with like your approach, and Japanese won't tell you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's right. They'll, they'll give you, uh, let's say, a false yes. Like, hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes it says no. Yeah, so uh, so if a foreigner is telling you like no or like oh, I don't think it'll be a match, it's uh, yeah. it's their polite way of saying uh, maybe you might have to improve your approach. Cool. I just say this to help the founders uh, listening, so you don't mm-hmm. uh, let's say you don't spend three months and like you know like why isn't anyone helping me out? It's like uh, maybe it's your approach or you know maybe it's uh, you're not easy to introduce. So I think that would be a better question. Can I just ask people, like, do you think it's easy to introduce me mm. before even asking for the introduction? Cool. And, but go ahead. Sorry. Related to this, uh, what makes the difference from the different from the other city is also like uh, the who actually are supporting the startups is very important, I guess. In terms of the Kobe, there are not quite a few uh municipality is uh, hiring expert or professional within the organization. And Kobe is fun actually doing that. And including myself, our team consists of uh, basically the external talent uh, with the uh, expertise or experience in the private sector. However, the other municipalities, of course, like Osaka and Kyoto, uh, they are actually running the program with their permanent officer. So they sometimes it might hard for them to, to do something new by themselves. So what is done, of course, important, but who will do is much more important as well. So 
this is kind of differentiator that our Kobe has right now. Ooh, and for Kobe, uh, what are kind of the plans moving forward in maybe the next two or three years? Yeah, there are actually two things that we are currently considering. One is uh, to get more uh, global uh, the net ecosystem network. And we are currently uh, focusing on the Europe or uh, North US, like uh, US and Canada. But uh, the Kobe airport is going to be internationalized, internationalized in maybe in within the five years. So uh, with this, uh, we are we would like to have more business communication between the Southeast Asia and East Asia much more compared to right now because we don't have uh, so much communication with the uh, Southeast Asia ecosystem and, and also the Taiwan or South Korea ecosystem. So maybe within two or three years, we are going to increase the, the communication between those areas as well. So, and the second is uh, like Sibia City, uh, we are thinking to have external organization like a Kabushiki Gaisha or any type of uh, cooperation outside of the Kobe City. Because, you know, the local government is always facing on the annual budgeting, uh, which is sometimes challenge for us to continue our program from a long time view, long time span. Uh, we need to uh, get the approval from parliament every year. And if we cannot get budget, we have to quit anyway. So this is not good for any stakeholders uh, involved in our ecosystem. So in order to make the ecosystem more sustainable in long-term view, uh, we would like to have the external organization so that we can do, how can I say, the move fast and also the more flexible compared to right now. Thank you for sharing that. And uh, maybe anything else you'd like to share with the audience? Uh, not now, but uh, yeah, I have, I have. Uh, currently, <laughs> uh, we are calling for the startups in the food tech and the climate tech startup around the world. And we are currently running two programs called the Next Kitchen 2023, uh, which is for food tech program, uh, food tech startups. And also the other program is the uh, the climate tech challenge, uh, which is of climate tech startups. And we are going to uh, invite around five to 10 startups respectively to each programs. And the, those startups uh, comes to physically uh, Kobe in the beginning of the February to be connected with the local businesses to hold them to be able to seek their opportunities in Japan. So. The application is currently open to anybody. So if you are interested in, please visit our website, uh, the Next Kitchen 2024, and also the Climate, Ch Challenge, Climate Tech Challenge 2024. Okay. I might have two companies to introduce. Thank you so much. That'd be great. <laughs> and uh, what stages uh, of companies would be potentially ideal? Uh, it depends. But at least, uh, like you said, uh, they have to have the products already and the certain businesses already in the local uh, countries, uh, the, the origin countries. And at least they need to have the kind of the serious interest in Japan or Asian market. So this is the basic uh, basic uh, two criteria on our side. Of course, uh, we have more 
detailed criteria on our side, but uh, yeah, right now, uh, these two are very important. Thank you very much for your time, Yoshi. Thank you so much for your time, Tyson. That was really fun to me. Yeah, I think it's, and I think uh, Kobe offers a lot. Glad to finally have the opportunity to learn more. Thank you so much.